Welcome to Lydia Finette's Claim Your Confidence, a podcast that will introduce you to the most powerful women in the world as they talk about their own confidence journey. No matter what obstacles you face, Claim Your Confidence will inspire you, motivate you, and give you a roadmap to live the life you want. So, are you ready to claim your confidence? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Claim Your Confidence. I'm Lydia Finette, and I am in New York City on a sweltering September day, unprecedented for sure. And I am so excited to be speaking to my guest who is here and has joined me in my favorite color, as you all know, hot pink. Monique Rodriguez is the founder and CEO of Myel Organics. This year, she made history when Myel Organics was acquired by Procter & Gamble in an unprecedented acquisition, the largest exit ever for a Black female beauty founder. And we're going to hear all about it when we return from a short break. Monique, welcome to the show and to our listeners, welcome back to the show. I feel like you need no introduction, but I'm going to brag about you for just one second because this is quite an accomplishment. <laughs> you are the CEO of Myel Organics, which sold two months ago to Procter & Gamble in the largest exit ever for a Black female beauty mm -hmm. entrepreneur. You remain as the CEO now. You are recognized as a leader in the business community, a role model among women and girls. You've also established Myel Cares, the nonprofit arm of your company with a $10 million donation that was matched by Procter & Gamble. Yes. So you're a busy woman, to say the least. Yes, and I'm so excited and honored to be here. And thank you for bragging on me. I always hear my own bio and I'm like, oh, wow, like I did all that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I always like to say, who is that person? Oh, gosh, that's me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I am so excited to dig into this interview. I know you have so much wisdom to share. And I always start by asking people a very simple question. Where are you from? I'm from Chicago, Illinois. All right. South side to be exact. <laughs> exactly. And so... How did you grow up? Who were you when you were little? So I've always been a dreamer. I've always been able to like dream big and be like being able to like manifest what I wanted mm -hmm. was like so real for me. So when I grew up, like my mom, she worked at a hospital. Mm -hmm. So she was there for probably like 40 years. So I grew up seeing her work every weekend. She worked as a unit secretary. And we would have to be like left at home with my dad. And unfortunately, like my dad, he suffers with drug addiction. So, you know, being in that environment, I look to use my imagination as a way to like escape my reality of what I was like going through at the time as a little kid, like not having my mom there on the weekend. So I would just imagine myself as like this little businesswoman and I would like have my briefcase. I love playing house. Wait. <laughs> Where did the businesswoman with a briefcase come from? Did you read about it or did you see it? Had no idea. And that's why I truly believe that like what I'm doing is truly God ordained because I did not see like, especially black women that were owning and operating businesses. That was something that was so far fetched from, you know, my level of thinking. So for me to like be this little and imagine myself as this businesswoman, you know, it was truly ordained for me to be where I'm at today because I don't know where it came from. And like, I was always like the leader. I'm also the oldest child. Mm -hmm. So I would have my cousins around and like, we're going to play house and you're going to be the kid and you're going to play the <laughs> husband and I'm going to be the businesswoman. And the, off I go to and my yes, business. And I'm going to work. <laughs> and so like, I've always had this vivid imagination and, you know, I 
take on that characteristics even to today. Like I even, you know, we took a personality test a couple of weeks ago at work and my personality test came up as like a visionary. So, you know, I always tell people like, you know, that thing that you love doing as a kid, like if you go back to your childhood mm-hmm. and you ask yourself, like, what is it that I love doing as a kid that was done effortlessly, that didn't feel like work? And, you know, something that came naturally to me and dreaming and, and being a visionary has always been something that came naturally to me. And I still do it to this day. You just see it. You see the white space and you just yeah. move. Mm-hmm. Do you get fearful about moving into that white space or do you just do it without abandon? You just run. I think it's always normal for people to have fear, right? Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, it's an emotion that God gave us and, you know, we're human beings and we're going to have different emotions all throughout the journey. Mm-hmm. And... The thing is, you can't let your emotions stifle you no matter what they are. So, of course, when I stepped out on faith and started this company and had no business experience, no background, no resources, no tools, no money, mm-hmm. I think that's very important. Yeah. You know, I stepped into this like wondering, like, is it going to work? What if it fails? But then I had to tell myself, well, what if it does like actually succeed? Yeah. And, you know, I never want to live my life with regrets and looking back and saying like, well, I wonder what have happened if I actually tried. So I just try to live my life like at least let me just try, because I think that you really fail when you don't try. Right. And you have to feed your faith and not your fear because you're going to feel it and you're allowed to feel that emotion. But you can't let that emotion dictate and drive your decisions. Yeah. And And that's stop. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to like like, okay, I feel it. I acknowledge it, but I'm going to ignore it and I'm going to feed my faith. Where did the faith come from? You've mentioned this many times since we started this interview. Mm -hmm. Was this something that was at home? Was this something that was around you in Chicago? Yeah. So honestly, I didn't grow up in like a faith-based house. Like when I was younger, I didn't go to church. I've always believed in God, but you know, I didn't come from like a religious background. You know, sometimes when you go through like traumatic experiences in life, Mm you know, you have nothing to lean on other than your faith. Yes. And so in 2013, I went through a very um, traumatic loss with the loss of my son. I was eight months pregnant, had a very high risk pregnancy. And because of that high risk pregnancy, my son passed away. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And it was, as you can imagine, like very devastating for my family, my husband and I. And even though I had the support from my family, like my mom was there, my husband was there. I had my two girls that were there but no one can get me through what I was going through other than leaning on my faith and knowing that I went through this experience for a reason. I didn't quite understand what that reason was. And instead of asking like, why did this happen to me? I had to say like, why not me? What is God trying to show me from this? And I had to trust the process because I didn't know where this would lead me. I went through that experience. I still had to go back to work as a nurse and I was not, a happy person. I was very miserable, you know, probably on the verge of depression because I had lost my son. And then I had to go back to a job that I wasn't deeply invested in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in order to not lose your mind, you have to have something that's bigger than yourself. And for me, that was my faith. And that was your faith. So how did you get into nursing in the first place? Because you said your mother had worked as a nurse. Mm -hmm. Was that why you became a nurse? So my mom was actually a a secretary at the hospital. So she wasn't a nurse. She wanted to become a nurse. Mm -hmm. 
And because she didn't have the the resources to go to school, you know, go to college and, you know, get her nursing degree, she's always instilled in me ever since I was little, like, you know, always exposed me and take me to work with her. That's when you can actually take your kids to work and take them into a hospital. And she would like take me to her unit and I would see all of these other nurses and it looked really cool to me. Yeah. So that's what I was exposed to. So when I talk about like, my imagination of being this businesswoman, I don't know where it came from because all I saw was nurses, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up. And, you know, my mom, she came from a mentality where I need to teach my daughter how to survive. And the way that I know how to help her survive is to teach her very traditional. My mom was very traditional. You got to go to school. Mm -hmm. You got to go to college. You have to graduate from college. And then you need to find a job like immediately after you graduate college. And you will work until you you die. (laughs) Yes. And you will work there until you're 95 years old. Exactly. Get your pension. That was her whole whole thinking. And it was no fault to her. That's all that she knew. Yeah. And I remember when I would work as a nurse for the first four years of my nursing career, I hopped around from so many different hospitals. I went from job to job. If I wasn't happy, I would leave. I would go somewhere else. And I remember she would always tell me like, you need to sit down. You need to be stable. Like it would really irritate her that I never sat somewhere probably longer than a year. You were seeking something else. Yeah. She's like, you're not going to have your pension. You're not going to have any money (laughs) in your pension by the time you're my age. And I would tell her like, I'm not worried about a pension. I'm 20 something years old. Like I'm not thinking about that right now. Yeah. And, but back then it was just that yearning of wanting more, but not exactly knowing how to achieve that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wasn't fulfilled in my career. And so I became a nurse because I knew it was something that she really wanted for me. And, you know, sometimes parents will push their dreams off on their kids, Yeah, you know, and it's nothing wrong with that. But I take my parenting from a different approach. Like I really want to see like, what are my kids passionate about? Or like, what is that thing that I see in them that I can pull out of them to nurture that gift? And so I've learned that because I know what it's like to like have something forced on me and to not really like it. And then to operate in that space and to like be miserable. Yeah. So that's why I became a nurse is because that's, you know, how she coached me throughout my whole childhood. Yeah. And I think that that was definitely the more traditional model. I think you actually are a Gen Z or born in a Gen Xer's body. Does that make sense? <laughs> you're actually supposed to have been born and be 19 right now because everything you're saying, I think would anyone listening at that age is probably <laughs> nodding along. Like, of course, why would you work in a job forever? Um, I've definitely spoken with younger women who are like, well, I've worked there for a year, so I feel like my time's up. I worked at my old company for 24 years. So yeah. like, you have some time. It's okay. Just take a beat. <laughs> you talked about this briefly. So you were nursing, you were a nurse in all of these different capacities, and then you lost your son. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for sharing that, by the way. And I'm, I really am so sorry that thank you went you. through that experience. But out of that was something new was born. As you said, you were depressed. Things were tough, obviously. What happened next? What was the moment where you felt like you'd found something new or you'd found a new way to cope with this? Yeah, so it was not too long after we went through the experience with my son that in order for me to cope, so as I mentioned earlier, I took a personality test and I encourage a lot of people to do this because you really discover a lot about yourself. Yeah. And even my personality test also revealed to me that not only am I a visionary, but the way that I deal with pain, because the personality test also shows you how you navigate life. What personality test it's is It's called this? the Enneagram. Oh, the Enneagram. I feel yeah. like I've been hearing a lot yeah. about this. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it also show, like shows you how you navigate situations in life. 
And so what it revealed to me is that not only like, am I a visionary, I'm an optimist, but I also navigate pain by distracting myself from it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think that there's, I don't a, think right there's way. a right way. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but that's just how I navigate life yeah. apparently. And when I took that test, I was like, wow, that is so me. Because when I started my company, I was distracting myself from the pain that I was going through. Yeah. So in addition to like developing my, a deeper relationship with God, I was distracting myself by going to social media, posting on hair. Like and when you were doing that, had you shared what was going on or this was really just an outlet for you? I didn't share what was going on. Yeah. So it was painful because people, you know, they saw me pregnant and yeah. I didn't quite know how to cope with the loss. Yeah. So I would just like post about, you know, just hair care and talk about just different ways that I styled my hair on social media because it was a way for me to creatively like express myself by something that I was truly passionate about. And I've always loved hair, like ever since I was a little girl, like every time I see people, the first thing that I notice about them is their hair. Yeah, well, Monique is sitting across from me with the most glorious hair I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. It's past her waist and it is stunning. So Thank I you. can understand why people would be attracted to understanding how you make your hair look the way you yeah. make your hair look. And so that's why people gravitated because they were like, okay, oh yeah, I'm looking at your hair and like you're making all of these different mixtures and your hair's not falling out and your hair actually is very beautiful. So they mm-hmm. became curious and they started like asking more questions about like the different recipes that I would post online. So I kind of started off as like an influencer, like in the beauty space. And I didn't have a product. Where was this? On Instagram, this YouTube? Was only on Instagram. Only on Instagram. I did like a few YouTube videos, but YouTube wasn't like my thing. So I'm also very focused. I don't think my brain can like truly totally. multitask. <laughs> so I can only focus on like one social media at a time. You and me both. And I barely can do one. So congratulations for being able to master one. Yeah. So Instagram was my thing. Yeah. And that's where like I really studied Instagram Mm -hmm. and I learned how to master it. And I really just learned how to connect with people through my cell phone Mm -hmm. and through posting like pictures. And at that time, Instagram wasn't videos. It was solely pictures. That was like way back in the day, right? Yeah, Yeah. I remember this. Don't worry. (laughs) I think I've got a couple of years on you. Don't worry, Monique. I remember those days. (laughs) Yeah. So it was just, it was just like my thing. And, you know, I really found a way to connect with people and it was just making, you know, different recipes and concoctions at home. And then it went from people inquiring about it to, can I buy it? But wait, what are you concocting? I mean, this is, you make this sound so easy. But where did this even come from? I mean, how did you know what to put in this? Was this stuff you were putting in your hair? I mean, I shampoo and condition my hair, so I have no basis for understanding what a concoction would even start with. What are you using? Is this stuff from your garden, from your house, from your kitchen? I wish I had a garden. Yeah, me too. I need to have a garden. (laughs) But so naturally by, by nature, I'm a nurse. So research is like my thing. And like understanding science was like something that was also, you know, very natural to me because I've always loved health and science. And that's probably also one of the reasons why I chose to listen to my mom because I'm like, oh yeah, health and science, I excel in that, you know, that's, I can do that. So I've always loved to like research and learn about like the body and how the body functions, how the body works. And so I did a lot of research on just understanding like hair growth and Mm -hmm. how the hair actually grows from the follicles. And then I took it a step further and I said like, okay, how can I find ingredients to help like accelerate the growth of hair Mm -hmm. from the follicles or even more so just maintaining healthy hair? Because one of the things in like, especially in the black community with our hair, we have a lot of struggles, especially with natural hair, Mm -hmm. the way that the curl coils, you have coily hair, you have tighter curl patterns. There are so many different 
textures and labels to the textures that it can be somewhat challenging to navigate how to find the right styling products and understanding like how the cuticle actually lays. So just understanding like the science behind hair was something that I became obsessed with. And when I find something that I really love, I like obsess over it. So I started like just really obsessing about like, you know, understanding the the follicles, understanding the hair shaft, the cuticles, and like understanding like how do I actually seal the cuticles to prevent frizz, to maintain a certain curl pattern or a certain style. And so I would look and find like different like ingredients of like what I saw on Google. So like, for instance, honey is like a great humectant. You can use it like if you're going out in like very hot, humid weather and like a humectant will actually help seal and lay down that cuticle. So I'm like, oh, let me mix together like honey. And then avocado is like a great moisturizer for the hair. So literally I would pull out honey, avocado in my kitchen and I would mix it together in a blender. I would also add like mayonnaise and then I would take like other hair products that were on the shelf because I felt that they were not meeting my needs. So I would mix that together with the different food products. And then I realized, so that's why I said I tried a lot of stuff because after trial <laughs> and You guys error, can see my face right now. I think I'm like, my jaw is unhinged. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? I am so stunned by this. But keep yeah. going. I'm so loving it, all of this. It was literally like an experiment because it was trial and error because what I realized after getting egg that was stuck in my hair from it cooking in the shower. <laughs> I know, give us some good yeah. ones. Give us some good fails. Yeah, I need it, to was, hear. it was one concoction that I made and I put egg in it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in the shower and rinse it out. The shower was so hot, the egg was in my hair, started cooking Oh my God. in my hair. Oh my God. So then how do you get it out? Is that a mayonnaise? It was a, it was a nightmare. Oh my God. And what and is your husband, husband yeah, saying? He, he was so, he was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're like, like, I can't come because I have egg yeah, cooked I'm like, into my hair. Like, can you help me get this egg out of my hair? <laughs> You're like, it's the visionary from the shower. <laughs> you can just pop in here for a yeah, second. So he did not understand like what I was, but what he saw was that it was a huge distraction. So he was yeah. just like, whatever, yeah. just keep doing it. Yeah. But then I realized after doing more research and actually like talking with different chemists, you food molecules don't penetrate the hair shaft. Oh, interesting. So all that was for not. <laughs> the reason why egg was cooking in my hair because it's not <laughs> going to penetrate. The protein that is in the egg is not the same protein that our hair needs. Our hair needs like amino acids, that type of protein. And so once they helped me like understand and break it down in a scientific way, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, so how can we take this? Because I know that our hair needs protein mm -hmm. and now I understand that it needs these type of amino acids. How can you help me formulate something so I can still use some of these natural ingredients and extract the greatness from these ingredients, but actually put in the formula that actually works and can penetrate our hair? So what are you doing on social media at this point? Are you posting the things that are going on behind the scenes as you're learning yes. them? Okay. I posted everything. So, people so are just I've dying. always been very transparent and very authentic. And that's why you know, our consumers, our, I call them our mavens, they feel so connected because I've always taken people on the journey with me. So even when I did make mistakes or even when, you know, I had these concoctions that didn't turn out, I would like really share it on social media. And even when I started like going to the chemist and like producing and creating formulations, I would post that on social media and say, hey, you guys, I'm in the lab today. I'm cooking up something else, but I'm cooking it up a better way yeah. and creating this formula and I'm testing it out. So literally everything that I did to like start out, you know, I took people on the journey with me from the very beginning. And I didn't know that like what I was doing was building community. Yeah. Like it was very authentic. Natural. It was yeah. very natural. And, you know, in hindsight, when I look back, it was like, yeah, that was a community that I was building and preparing. So when I did launch, because I launched like six months later, mm -hmm 
from when I started doing all of this, it took off because, because they people were, there. were like, they were there from the beginning. They trusted me. They mm-hmm. trusted the fact that I'm an RN, that I had the science background, that I had gray hair and, you know, hair that I felt that people wanted to know, like, how do you keep healthy hair? Like, that is the biggest question. That was sort and, of the basic question yeah. for it all. So you launched with one product? Just one product. And what was that? So that was our mint almond oil. What happened on launch day? Give us the entrepreneurial journey. Here. Yeah, of course. So I started, I think my inventory was about 100 bottles. Okay. Because I didn't have a lot of money yeah. at that time. And so I started with the one bottle and I'm like, you know, I found my website designer on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I found my graphic designer on Instagram. Yeah, mostly everything that I needed to like start, I found those people on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, let's create a website. You know, this is the packaging that I want. Let's, Let's just see, see what happens. And my husband was right there. He was always very supportive. And I said, okay, it's launch day. And, you know, obviously it took time to develop the website and stuff like that. Yeah. So we launched on May 23rd, 2014. And every bottle that we had, it sold out to where like sales were still coming in and we didn't have the inventory to support it. So granted, like we had very good profit margins at that time. And we were able to like, take the money that we made from that initial order and then hurry up to like reorder more. But the kicker was like, it was a very long lead time. Yeah. So that's like the struggle with a lot of like small businesses, especially like when you don't have any backing and you're trying to bootstrap. Yeah. That you don't have the inventory to supply the demand. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that there was going to be a demand because I'm just like, la, 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 let's just see <laughs> what happens. Trying to get the egg out of your yeah. hair day 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, really, let's just see what happens. Yeah. And so... I would never forget, like, we had a WordPress website. It dings when you have the sales. And literally, me and my husband, we were in the car, and it was like, ding, 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 ding. And my husband's like, this is, like, for real. Yeah. He's like, this is just an oil. I was like, it's not just an oil. Yeah, you're like, I'm a visionary. Like, this is serious. <laughs> yeah, we're going to I'm like, we're on to something. Yeah. And then he was just, like, so amazed. And he, like, immediately got on board, and he's like, my husband's like such an executor and he's like calling our manufacturers like, listen, we got to get this, you know, more oil like ASAP because of course we didn't want to turn down orders because we were so excited and we didn't want to make it seem like, you know, we wasn't ready or, yeah, you know, course. like we wanted to show that we were like a legit business. But did you know, like when you launched it that day, you were like, this is going to sell out, right? No, I didn't. I didn't, didn't know, know that. No. So you just thought that this was like, maybe I'll sell 50. And I thought that the 100 bottles that I had would at least last me for like two months. That was like my thinking. I did not think that the day of we would sell out of all of those bottles. And usually like when you have like an e-commerce business, some days you have sales and then you have, you know, the initial pipeline. And then maybe the next day you don't have sales. And maybe the next day, you know, it's kind of like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. But every day from the day that we launch, it was just like, great momentum. We have not had a day where we have not had a sale on our e-commerce. Wow. That's incredible. So we saw growth like every single day. You saw growth and then obviously people were using it and loving it and reordering it and talking about it. And and they were posting it on. So so that was like the greatest word of mouth marketing because people would literally purchase it and they would take a picture of it and post it on social media. And that was like a confidence booster for me because it's like, this is something that I created that people are gravitating to and they like it and they're posting about it. So it motivated me to just keep listening and to keep hearing what people were saying Mm -hmm. and to keep listening to like, okay, what are the needs of 
you know, the people that are following me. So it went from me being this, you know, visionary and me putting out what I thought I needed to put out in the community from me now saying, let me listen yeah, to see what are the actual needs. Because if I can really tackle their needs, like that's a win-win situation and give them a great product, then, you know, I know that the brand's going to take off. So I, my thinking literally shifted on launch day because I knew it was something special. Something was happening. So then how long did it take for you to build out your next product? Or did you stay singularly focused on the oil because you knew that was a success? No. So, so my next product came along maybe about four months later. So I was working on a vitamin supplement and then I was working on a deep conditioner because I knew that as I talked about listening to the needs, there were a lot of curly hair consumers relaxed hair consumers, straight hair consumers that were transitioning and wanting to like wear their natural curls. And they had severe heat damage. They had damage from just having like chemicals in their hair. So Mm -hmm. they didn't have like a true curl pattern. And I knew that like, okay, how can I fix this problem? Well, I know that in order for the curls to be restored, you have to have a good protein and you have to have a great moisture balance, but you also have to be patient. It takes time. So I knew that there was a void in the education component for the consumers. So it was great to have a great product, but if you have products out in the market and the consumers don't know how to use it and they're not educated on it, it's like you're wasting your time creating something great if they're not using it correctly because natural hair is not just about using great products, but it's also about the technique of how you use it and the education that comes with it. So with me having this nursing and science background, I'm already an educator by nature. So I came in and just started educating on like, how do you transition? How do you revert your curls? Or how do you restore your curls back to this normal, healthy pattern? And that's all on social media. And this was all on social media. And this is just your community that you're building. And how many people are following you at this point? Oh, I had about 500 followers. You had 500 followers who've purchased 100 bottles of oil now and are continuing to buy it at such an incredible rate that you're producing other things. That's incredible. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of followers at all. So committed and what they always say about the micro-influencer, right? It's not about the number of people. It's about the people who pay attention and trust you. Yep, Right. exactly. Yeah. So you roll out the second product and then it's working. Mm -hmm. And are you still a nurse at this point or you've left this completely? No, so I was still a nurse at that point. So again, as I talked about like, speaking to your future manifestation. So the day that I launched my brand, I typed out my resignation letter to give to my job. Oh my gosh. So I was still working as a nurse and I dated it. So this is May. I dated my resignation letter for November. Like you were just like, here I, we go, Monique. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> this, your is, timeline. Yeah, this is your ticking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You and so I showed it to my husband and I'm like, I'm going to give this to my job. He's like, oh, wait, 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 hold on. He's like, I get it. Like, but he's like, you work very hard to be a nurse. Yeah. And you're just not going to leave your career like this. I'm like, I know I'm not going to leave. But I said, look at the date. I'm going to give it to them in November. And he's just like, okay. Like, you know, basically like, we'll see. Yeah. And um, so I worked as a nurse all that time. And in October. He was like, quit your job. (laughs) No, I quit my job. You quit your job. I quit because the business took off so fast and it was growing at such an exceptional rate. And I was just like, I, in order for me to give this a thousand percent is no longer, I can't no longer work as a nurse because I take what I do very serious. And even working as a nurse, I knew that like I was taking care of patients. I had lives. I was working as a home health nurse as, at the time. So yeah. I, it was me and the patient. 
And I started to notice like my focus wasn't all the way there. And I'm like, I don't want to risk anything. Yeah. You know, my integrity is of the utmost importance. So I think it's time for me to step away. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I stepped away. You've talked about your husband a lot leading up to this. What is it like when he's watching all of this happening? You know what's happening. He's seeing all of this happening. Is he sort of like, I kind of want to work with you because this looks more exciting? Or was he just on a parallel path in his own world and his <laughs> own job watching you as you rocket ship to the moon? No, he came on board like the day that we launched. The day because, that you launched. So his background is in engineering and he was an engineer at UPS. Uh-huh. So all of the logistics, shipping, I had no clue of how to do any of that. Like I was just going to the post office and, you know, trying to get stuff out. And so he saw like how much of an influx and how much help I needed just to even get more inventory in to satisfy and fulfill the orders that were coming in. And he was like, I'm all in. I'm going to help you. He stepped up right away and he just took on what his skill set was. So everything that was logistics and like from the operating side, he just owned that. And which I'm glad he did because I think as an entrepreneur, one of the best skill sets that you need to have is to be self-aware. Yeah. You have to realize and understand your strengths and understand your weaknesses. And in the areas that you're weak, you have to complement yourself with certain skill sets that can fulfill those weaknesses. And I know that was my area of weakness. And that was something that he stepped in and took on. Now he can't do what I do. He can't go on social media and talk about hair products. Yeah. (laughs) So it was like we quickly understood like what we were both gifted at. You're both in your lanes. And we stayed in our lanes and we just have always operated at that level from the very beginning. That's fantastic. It's really wonderful when a partnership and a true partnership in any kind of business Mm -hmm. can really complement the other thing. You're not crossing over into each other's lanes trying to do things. So it all seems so it, like it happened kind of effortlessly, but tell me some things that didn't go as well as you thought, or tell me about a time or maybe two when you really thought something was going to happen and it didn't, or something took a real curve and oh went in the opposite direction. How much longer do we have? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think we've got all day. People love these stories. I love hearing these stories. Yeah. So, you know, in 2018 is when the company, like we had a, it was a very challenging time for us financially. Mm-hmm. And why is that? we spent a lot in marketing. We did a lot to get the brand out there and we had the wrong people in the wrong positions operating our financial books. The most important part. The most important, the yeah. foundation of your your business. And they were booking things incorrectly. So we were thinking that we had more money to spend when we really didn't. Yeah. And we ended up being like $2 million on the whole in 2018. And on the outside, the company was... On our, it was a rocket ship. The yeah. company was continuing to grow. Everything looked great on the outside. But when you lift up the hood and you look underneath and you see that P&L sheet and it's like, whoa, like we realized that we were in the hole and we didn't know that we had the wrong people in those positions because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And you have to learn. So I think that, you know, entrepreneurship is the best on the job training experience that you're going to get. And that was the experience that we had to get because... We had to go through that because I can tell you now we watch everything. We're very anal with our finances yeah. and, you know, what we spend because we know what it's like to operate in the hole yeah. and trying to like keep our head above water. There are times where we wouldn't pay ourselves to pay our employees. And some of our employees don't even know that. Like yeah. we didn't have payroll and 
you know, the banks were, you know, on our tails trying to figure out because we had a line of credit, we were using the line of credit incorrectly, mm-hmm. spending it on marketing and not inventory. But these are things that you have to learn as a business owner. And, you know, the banks were harassing us and we were talking with an investment group that was getting ready to invest in our company. Mm-hmm. And we knew that we needed this investment to like keep our doors open. And at the last hour, when we were getting ready to like go to the next step, get the turn sheet, they walked out on us. They oh turned their backs on us and they did not invest in us. And we were like, literally like, okay, what are we gonna do now? Yeah. And, you know, fortunately for us, we met the right people at the right time. Like I said, it's all about God's timing. Yeah. And we were able to connect with a fellow mentor who had recently sold his brand, Sundial. And he became a mentor to Melvin and I, and he had started a fund that he was solely investing into black women. He created a hundred million dollar fund investing in black women. It's called New Voices. And we had a conversation with him, you know, told them our dilemma. And they were just like, we're here to help. That is incredible. We're here to help. And, you know, so I like to say like, when God closes that door, don't try to go back and peek through that door. Maybe it's closed for a reason because he has something better for you on the other side. And so we took on um, our first investment round. Um, It was a seed round. And will you explain what a seed round is? Because I've had, it's interesting. I've had a lot of conversations with entrepreneurs on the podcast. And afterwards, some old people will say, I love listening to it. Sometimes I don't know what people are talking about. So tell us what a seed round is. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I can explain it right, but tell us how um, you tell us what it meant to you. What it meant to me is that like a seed round is a smaller amount for a smaller percentage. Mm -hmm. Meaning a smaller percentage that they're taking from your company. Correct. Yes. They're like planting a seed to like get you out of the hole or get you off the ground. Yeah. That's like my interpretation of it. I'm like I said, I'm not an investment expert, but that's how I look at it. And so it was just enough to get us out of the hole and they did not come in and like try to take over our company. They still wanted us to operate, you know, as we were because they saw the potential Mm -hmm. and the momentum that the brand had and they believed in us. And so they were willing to invest in that vision and they didn't take a huge chunk of the company, which was great. Yeah. And so we went from that seed round to our series A, which was Berkshire Partners. And we did that in 2021. The seed round happened in 2020. Wow. Yeah. So literally we closed on that in February, then COVID happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, then <laughs> everyone then, was at home and they needed their hair to be healthy. Yeah, and, and everyone good. needed their hair to be healthy. Yeah. So our brand took off during COVID. I'm sure. Because people were looking for, you know, products to maintain their hair at home. They could no longer go to the salon. Yeah. And so because we saw so much momentum and growth, we had like 4X growth during COVID. I'm sure. Yeah, I can see that. And that that caught the eyes of now the private equity firm, which now leads to a series A. So series A, they came in and, you know, they took a minority percentage of the company and they just helped us grow and accelerate to the next level. And then, you know, that happened in 2021. And then 18 months later, we went from the series A to being acquired. And usually companies go, they do like multiple rounds. So they go from like a series A to a series B. That's like another round where you give away another percentage of your company. Series C, that's, you know, you give, you're giving away more of yeah. your company and you're taking on, you know, more funds from whatever investors. And, you know, they usually just go through these rounds until they're able to, you know, get the value that they want to eventually be acquired. Mm-hmm. But because the brand had created so much value we had went from the series A and we we skipped like the series B and C, which means that 
when we did sell to the strategic, we still maintain majority ownership. We had majority ownership at that time. Amazing. Before we sold. Mm-hmm. And how incredible was that day? Oh, it was, oh, <laughs> it was, you know, both my husband and I, we just cried because it's like, it's such a, you know, and we did this in nine years. Yeah. Like where it, it's taken people 20 years to do this. It's just like, we just truly feel blessed to be able to just have this opportunity and to have, you know, a company like Procter & Gamble even interested in something that you've built. So just imagine something that you started in your kitchen, you're cooking eggs in the shower. Yeah. And then nine years later, you have the interest of a Procter & Gamble. And, you know, they were very interested in to see like, you know, how this all came about coming from a girl from the South side of Chicago with no business experience, no business background, and to now be with one of the biggest conglomerates in the world. It gives me goosebumps to even talk about it. It gives me goosebumps sitting across from you. Absolutely. And (laughs) I love too that you have two young daughters who Mm -hmm. are watching you. I mean, I don't know if you have a pink briefcase. I think you should get one so that your daughters (laughs) have something to aim towards. But um, I mean, how amazing to have your daughters watching all of this. Yeah. What would you say about your confidence journey over the course of this entire experience? Like, where have you really had to steal your confidence? And what have you learned as a result of this meteoric, I mean, nine years is kind of meteoric in the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. world to sell for this much and have such success. Where have you really felt your most confident along the journey? You know, I would say that I am still owning my confidence. Like I'm, it's, I think it's that journey. Yeah, because I think in certain seasons you're going to be more confident in certain situations and in certain situations you're not going to be confident and I think you have to you know acknowledge that but just kind of like put that to the wayside and still kind of overpower that by constantly giving yourself affirmations and really owning the space that you're in and operating and knowing that like God has graced you for this. He's giving you a gift and you have to just walk in your power. So that's something that I still continue to tell myself because I think that like when I first started, I know that I suffered from imposter syndrome a lot. Yeah. Like even when I sat at the table with investors, I'm like, wait, am I saying the right thing? Like, should I say this? Do I belong here? Like, are they really interested in my company? Like those doubts will come to pass. And I'm like, okay, shut up, Monique. Yeah. You, they want a part of what you've, you've built this. Yeah. You and your husband have built this and you need to own it. Yeah. So like when I have those moments, when I start to feel like less confident, I have to constantly tell myself like, this is who God created you to be. Yeah. This is your superpower. Walk in it and show others so they can look at you and see that you did it. And it gives them inspiration to do the same thing and to walk and own their superpower as well. So I think it's a journey. I love that when you created, when you sold your company or your company was acquired, I love that you created an entire nonprofit arm of this mm-hmm. and that Procter & Gamble matched it. Yes. So what are you going to do with My L Cares? What's the plan for what you're doing? Yeah. So My L Cares is like, I'm so excited about the future of My L Cares and even more excited that, you know, I picked the right partners because P&G, you know, that was like a surprise to us. They came to the table and they knew that our community was something that Melvin and I were extremely passionate about. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, they came to us and said, as a part of this, you know, acquisition, 
we're going to invest in your community. And that meant the world to us. Yeah. And so Myel Cares is solely focused on like, how do we advance communities for black and brown communities mm -hmm. and provide them with educational opportunities, entrepreneurship opportunities, and also mental health resources. And we're going to start in tweens and teens because Amazing. the success rate I feel is higher when we start shifting the mindset when kids are younger. And so like, I look at, you know, my kids and I look at how they think and how they operate. But I look at like when I started and how they were witness to all of this and it changed the way that they think even to today. Yeah. And so if I can give that opportunity and exposure to just one kid, and I know we're gonna impact and inspire a lot more, but if I can touch one kid and make a difference in that one kid's life and set them up for a great trajectory of being successful and changing their family lineage, then you know I've done my job. So. That's what my Yale Cares is gonna focus on. Oh, Monique, I have a feeling there are gonna be more than one. I think they're gonna be probably thousands. They're gonna be if, millions. If not, <laughs> I was gonna say, if not millions of young children who will have you to thank yes. for your vision in life. Thank you. So I wanna leave you with this. If you could say one thing about your vision moving forward, what comes next for Monique? Um, if I can say one thing, it would be legacy. Continuing to build the legacy. And legacy is not something that you think about when you're no longer here, legacy is how you can continue to make impact along the journey. Yes. So as I think about, you know, what I've accomplished, like I feel like the real work is just now starting. Like I'm young and I have a lot more to do. I have a lot more impact to make in this world. And for me, that's how I'm going to continue on. The Mayel name is going to continue on forevermore. My great grandkids will still see Mayel at the shelf. And they will not only say like, my great grandmother made these amazing products, but look at all the lives that she changed, you know, while she was creating this amazing brand. So yeah. for me, it's just continuing on the legacy. Well, I can't wait to watch and follow along. Where can we find you? Yes, you can find me on social media, obviously Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> I'm following you as of this morning. So yes, yes. I'm, I'm um, going to be excited. Instagram is exquisite mo. Mm -hmm spelled just like exquisite in the dictionary, <laughs> M-O. And of course, Myel Organics has an Instagram page and Myel is also on TikTok. So they can follow us on TikTok. But me personally, I'm just on Instagram. I know. I was like, maybe I'll start watching TikTok so I can see that. But in the meantime, yeah. I'll just watch on Instagram. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And to our listeners, I want to ask you, what is your vision for the rest of your life? And if that seems too big, then start with the rest of the year. We want to know. So make sure that you DM us on Instagram. If you ever need any confidence, help or support, feel free to DM me at any time. Thank you all so much for listening. I can't wait to be with you again next Tuesday. In the meantime, have a great week.